This is The Varsity, a sports podcast from The Record North Shore, your nonprofit local news site. Howdy, folks, and welcome to the latest episode of The Varsity Podcast, your podcast that gets you all caught up on North Shore High School sports. With the Friday Night Drive, I'm Michael Gojek here with uh, the Record North Shore founding member, Joe Coglin. As we've got another summer pod uh, for you guys, some stuff that we want to talk about that's been happening over the last couple of weeks. Uh, we took the 4th of July week off, so uh, getting back into it now here in the middle of July. Um, we're going to do a three-period uh, format for this week's episode of the podcast. Um, in the first episode, we are going to catch up on the Sickle Twins, um, who had some uh, really impressive uh, performances at the Division Three uh, golf championships as freshmen. So uh, we'll get caught up on them. Um, in the second uh, period, we'll talk some football. You always got to talk some football. Um, and we'll stick with high school football. Monday, the IHSA officially released uh, the schedules. Um, we obviously knew the schedules pretty well uh, in advance. But um, it's always fun to talk about football. And I got a chance to see Loyola last week. So we can talk about that in the second quarter uh, period. And then in the third period, we're going to uh, touch on um, just everything that's been going on in Northwestern, obviously, um, really close to uh, the North Shore area. A lot of uh, Northwestern fans, um, a lot of, you know, alumni who compete for some Northwestern teams um, that were involved in the recent uh, allegations and scandals. So um, we'll touch on that as well here in the third period. But um, why don't we get things started here in the first period? And I'll bring in Joe Coglin um, as uh, both Peyton and Carter Sickle, um, you know, have done a lot during their careers already in golf. Um, they did really well, obviously, at New Trier. Um, now both of them have moved on to Carleton uh, College in Minnesota. Um, and Joe, they've just kind of continued their excellence and um, have really, you know, transitioned to the college game really well. Yeah, really didn't skip a beat in terms of performance. In fact, uh, probably, um, I don't know what the, what the advancement of skip a beat is, but got, got better going to the college level and um, just competing at a high level and match their competition and um, to a very high point where they were, they advanced to the, uh, National championships. Uh, Carter was able to do it with her team, um, Carlton College out of Northfield, Minnesota. Um, they got an automatic berth because they won their conference tournament <clears throat> in the fall. And then Peyton, who uh, competes with Hamilton, which is out of New York, um, she advanced as an individual, kind of had the <clears throat> necessary requirements this spring to do that. So um, kind of grew up, of course, playing in the same tournaments, competing against each other. Um, even you know well before Nutria and things like that and they got to do it once again um, at the division three national championship so pretty cool experience for them um, uh, I think Carter Sickle um, led Carlton there uh, while she was there shooting 80 and two to 76s um, and uh, and Peyton had a good turnout too so pretty cool for them and, and but the division three tournament kind of the most interesting thing about this obviously it's really cool that they met up again and i think uh, in our story you can read by um mike clark um that they were able to hang out and because peyton was there as an individual she hung out with the carlton team and that's that's just a really fun interesting uh, piece of the story as well um but kind of a more grander 
story in terms of the whole division three is that uh, the third day while it rained, um, it was also canceled because of an unplayable hole. Um, I, I forgot which hole it was maybe 16. Um, I should, I should look, 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 which hole, but one of the holes on the course, um, there was a really bad um, angle slant to the, to the putting green, especially near the hole. So you could, you know, hit a, a hell of a putt within inches and it would roll 20, 30 feet away. Um, so during that rain delay, they decided um, that the hole was unplayable. And because of that, they would cancel the entire round. And that was um, strange. Obviously, you don't see that every day. Uh, but right. it, was bad, it was bad news for Carter because Carter was having a, a really good um, third day and she was going to really shoot up the leaderboard. So kind of a, a, definitely some bad luck for her. And, you know, I, I don't know enough about the situation to call it unfair, but uh, definitely bad luck for Carter. Yeah, obviously a tough situation, but still a very cool, you know, just to be able to compete that well so early um, in her career and obviously for both uh, twins to do so well obviously at separate schools um, it, it seemed like it was a really big uh, moment for both of them just to be able to you know compete at nationals um, together even if it was for two different teams yeah and and in their first year you know um, getting that experience in the books and if they're going to continue playing and want to continue kind of you know improving their game they've got that level of competition done um just one more thing to kind of cross off the list and maybe gain that experience learn from move forward and who knows what happens to either um you know them or their teams because of that um probably only good things how surprised were you just based when you kind of saw i mean obviously you know what the sickle twins were able to accomplish at nutria they um had a lot of success during that time there um, so do you, do you, do you, were you kind of surprised when she, when, you know, you kind of saw the story kind of come together or were you like, this makes sense. Like, obviously they're going to kind of continue what they were able to do in high school, even if it was separately. They were so consistent at the high school level that I guess it didn't surprise me. I mean, I thought it was great. Um, I guess, you know, if, if I didn't hear it, it wouldn't surprise me either because it's their, you know, their first years, but, um, you know, hearing it, it didn't surprise me. They were very consistent. They led the the, the Trevians to just really great finishes locally. I think their senior year was the year that that team was maybe the top team in the state. Now they had um, kind of a, for them, a down performance at state. And I think they pulled out a fifth place finish and they were expected to keep, compete for the championship, but it's golf, of course. Um, but the Sickles were, were, you know, a stalwart for those teams for a couple of years. So, no, I wouldn't say it surprised me. It was just cool to see that they got to kind of meet up. It's more of a cool human interest story than kind of a shocking sports story. Yeah, definitely a very cool story. So uh, congrats to them. Uh, um, I know, you know, it's it's funny because you always remember the moment, like you'll remember the craziness of not being able to finish around because of uh, just, you know, how crazy – um, all that stuff was, but it's still a really cool moment and a really cool uh, environment to compete in. And obviously to get a chance to do it with your um, twin sister, it's always fun uh, to uh, compete at the highest level there. So congratulations to them. And I'm sure um, we'll be talking about them again, um, you know, down the future. Uh, before we move on to the second quarter, Joe, I know um, obviously um, wrestling is more 
more of a winter sport, but um, during the summer, a lot of uh, the area uh, wrestlers end up going to uh, Fargo for the individual championships. And I know that Loyola has a couple of wrestlers who will be uh, down to or over to Fargo, I guess. Um, Harley Hiller will be competing at the 106 uh, uh, freestyle, while uh, Massey Odioti will be competing in both uh, the Greco um, and the freestyle event. Uh, so some cool uh, North Shore representation as, uh, you know, both of them will get a chance to compete um, against some of the best wrestlers in the nation. Yeah, Fargo's um, a uh, a badge of honor for wrestlers across the country, just making it there and competing against the best. Um, and, and Harley and Massey have been there before, um, and I think they're going to get another crack in as well as some other um, ramblers. Um, she did <clears> – <throat> I'm trying to find it. I believe Harley um, did something else on the national level this summer already. Um, is me, but she's. We've written about her multiple times. All you got to do is check our site or you know many other sites across the state that cover wrestling to find out what Harley Hiller is all about. And it's uh, it's a uh, it's victory for the most part. She's a really dominant um, wrestler in her class. Um, so um, check that out, and and we'll see if we can check in with some of those guys after Fargo. Yeah, it's always a really fun experience, you know, compete with the, you know, best in the nation. And obviously you get a lot of great experience there. So um, congrats to them, obviously, on making it in the first place. But they'll get started on Saturday um, in North Dakota and they'll go all the way until the 23rd. So um, we'll see just how well those two Ramblers will be able to do. All right, let's move on over now to the second period. Well, we'll hit on some more football. Um, we obviously talked about the schedules when they came out, but now that we you know, officially know the schedules, you know, know the divisions, know everything like that. I, I it, it got a chance to, you know, check out Loyola as well, um, competing there. Um, there are some just really interesting storylines that I think that are kind of presenting themselves already here in the summer um, and what both teams are able to do um, with uh, New Trier and Highland Park as well as Loyola. Um, Joe, but, you know, sticking with Loyola, um, that – going to that camp that offense lost a ton of experience i think it is two returning starters from last year um you obviously lose the main running back um will nemesheim um suffered a stress fracture so he's not going to be able to compete um his senior season now um after suffering that injury in november so um just a lot of uncertainty. Obviously, you got a couple running backs coming back, but the wide receivers are new. Obviously, the linemen are new. Um, so there's a lot of tur- not turmoil, but a lot of you know turnover um, for a Ramblers offense that was just one of the best in the state last year. Yep, yep. Um, and you know, really big bummer about Will. That's that's a talented guy um, who's was poised to do big things. Um, running and receiving the football. So um, tough news there, but, you know, they still got Drew McPherson, who's poised to be a division one back at some level. I think he's a junior, right? Yeah. Yeah. And Luke Foster, also a junior who kind of became, while not the explosive back that you sometimes saw at Anima Shine and McPherson, kind of that workhorse, positive yardage all the time. Um, I think he's going to take a step forward and get some carries. And I bet we have somebody else emerge. Anyway, um, offensive line is where those starters come back from, if I'm not wrong. And I think we might have a couple under, not underclassmen. Well, yes, underclassmen, but not 
um, like juniors coming up, filling in those spots that are getting collegiate looks as well as the, um, the, the two seniors. Um, so um, I think behind that offensive line, they still should be secure, um, you know, not, not leaking or anything like that, but yeah, they're going to have to develop playmakers on the outside and, that all starts no matter how good they are with the quarterback. Now, I don't know if it's going to be Lucas, Lucas uh, Hubler, Freedom Ali. I know they got kind of got a um, and 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 uh, it's a quarterback. What am I? Uh, it's not controversy. Why am I not thinking of the word competition? Yeah, yeah. <laughs> can't think of the word competition. Okay. <laughs> it's a tough day. Quarterback competition uh, between uh, two or three guys. So we'll see who emerges. You know they're going to be talented, but will they be ready for the big stage? Because we jump right into it with Loyal Academy. There's no uh, preseason, if you will. So um, yeah, yeah I, don't, I don't know. I'm 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 excited to see what it is, but I don't know if it's going to be fluid from the from the first game. Yeah, I'm really interested. I mean, just looking at practice. I mean, you, I I got a good chance to you know check out practice coach Dutcher allowed me to come in for a couple hours so that was great um appreciate that but um you know just looking at the quarterbacks I mean you like you mentioned you got freedom Ali, you got um you also got Ryan Fitzpatrick uh Fitzgerald who is also uh competing um for that spot I got a chance to talk to all three of those quarterbacks about you know what it's like to you know try to replace Sterney and you can tell from all three that you know, they have what it takes to, you know, compete and be, you know, compete for that starting position. But at the same time, you also see that, you know, you you there's you haven't built that familiarity yet that you had with Sterney last year, where Sterney went through an entire year. He was, he's, you know, we talked about this a lot with Declan Ford. I mean, he threw balls to him for his entire life, pretty much. Like, you don't have that familiarity yet. And I think that obviously is that, that doesn't really mean much at the beginning of July if you don't have that familiarity. But I think, um, you know, going through this competition and bringing, you know, building that strong uh, relationship with your wide receivers, that's going to be really important for each quarterback, whoever wants to get the starting position, because um, you saw that a lot from Sterney. Sterney knew how to throw it, throw it. He knew, you know, his, his receiver would be downfield if he made the through the ball exactly the way it needed to be thrown. He knew who was going to be in the slot, who was going to be, you know, running a slant and that kind of stuff. And these are the months where you figure this out, you figure all this stuff out. Um, and I think you saw that a lot of practice where um, that's still a work in progress. And I think it's going to be a work in progress, honestly, until the season starts. And um, that should be really interesting to just to see, you know, who's able to come out of that and, you know, at what level they're ready to compete at. Because like we mentioned earlier um, or in previous podcasts, you travel out of state to play Central um, Catholic in Michigan. You play Naperville North um, and then you jump into the Catholic League Blue um, where you have uh, Mar- uh, you play against sorry, you play against Marist and then you jump into the Catholic League Blue um, with Brother Rice um, and then St. Rita, IC Catholic and then Mount Carmel to finish the year. Um, I mean, there's never really a down week in the schedule for Loyola, but I mean, especially at the start of the week with such a new offense, there really isn't time to figure things out. You need to start things off pretty smoothly um, to start the year if you want to compete. Yeah, that's, you know, and this is all conjecture, of course, at this point. Um, I mean, that's why I think they're going to rely on that running game, because I do think a strength of theirs, like an obvious strength, like I'm sure they'll surprise us in spots, is their offensive line. Um, right. so, so why not count on that for ball control? And uh, at least, you know, as you're figuring out exactly who's who and what's what on, um, on maybe some more riskier plays. So, um, 
Yeah, and I think we'll see that, and I I think that just puts them in a safe spot. But you're right um, in terms of um, there's there's going to be no soft spots for them to gain knowledge early in the season. I feel like the summer is a good time to talk about this show. Where do you view? Obviously, the CCL ESCC changed up as divisions. The Blues stayed pretty much the same um, with Saint Rita and Maris uh, switching places. Um, Saint Rita moving up to the blue, Maris moving down to um, the green. Mount Carmel, we know, obviously, 7A state champions. They lost a ton of talent from last year's team, Blaney Dowling, going to Eastern um, Illinois. Um, but you have Darian Dupree coming back, and he uh, just committed to Wisconsin this past week, and that's a huge talent. And obviously, Mount Carmel is able to bring people back. St. Rita loses a lot um, of talent. They lose uh, Pat Farrell, who's going to Illinois. You lose Kingsbury, but obviously, brother, uh, obviously, they are always able to replenish with, and now they have a new um, head coach there as well. And brother Rice, you know, got a lot of experience last year. Um, their uh, offense was pretty, pretty good, and uh, their defense. Yeah, they lost Trey Pierce to Michigan, but um, his brother Christian Pierce is getting offers from like Illinois, uh, Ohio State, and Illinois, and Wisconsin, and Texas. So. Um, obviously, the blue as is the top division in the CCL ESCC, um, which is great for Loyola that they're staying in the blue. But at the same time, that also means you're playing in a division where you can't really give up. Not that you would give up, but you can't really, you know, take a break. You're always going to need to play against that CCL blue opponent. Um, and if you make one mistake, you might cost yourself a division championship pretty early. Yeah, that's true. And I think that's the trade-off for Loyola that they're more than willing to give up is, okay, in those years where we lost a lot of seniors or multi-year starters and we're going to have to figure some things out, we might not win the conference championship because of how difficult it is. But our goal is to win a state championship. So we want to be the best by the end of the season if that comes with a loss here or there, but we grow and develop and become our best selves by you know, end of October, then we'll, we'll gladly give up a, a, um, a conference championship for a shot at a state. So um, I think that's the trade-off when you want to be the best and Loyal has proven that they certainly um, are. I don't know if there's an argument. Um, uh, maybe one or two teams can, can stake a claim, but really it's Loyal Academy has proven to be up there and, and that's uh, the price you pay um, to stay up there is maybe taking a couple lumps during the regular season because of that schedule and it's helped them i think and that's pretty much what bo desher like told me when i was at practice where i was like listen you start the year there's no like break in that schedule um and he's like yeah i mean there isn't and that you just need to learn from each week and he was like i know it's cliche coach talk and that kind of stuff but you know you need to take it week by week and i feel like in this case loyola does need to take week by week where you know you you travel out to Michigan and you play a team that you haven't seen. You go to Naperville North and you're kind of familiar with that program. But then you got, you know, Marist, you got Brother Rice, you have St. Patrick at home. Um, you got St. Rita, you go out to IC Catholic, um, obviously three eight state champions. You got Bennett Academy for senior day. Um, and then you host Mount Carmel at the end of the regular season. So um not a lot of time to grow, not a lot of time to make mistakes. But um, I, I think I agree with you, Joe, where it, it's kind of those things. I, I forget what year it was that Loyola won the state championship, but they were like five and four, six and three, and they were like very lowly seated. And everyone knew that that whatever they were, 24th seed or whatever, had a chance to win a state championship because they took their, you know, lumps through the CCL ESCC, or I, I guess it was the CCL at that point. And, 
you know, it doesn't really matter what the record is for, I feel like a team like Loyola or honestly any team in the blue where it's just like, you know, gain that experience, get a decent amount of seed, get into the playoffs. And at that point, it's pretty much just, you need to outwork everyone like you did throughout the whole year. Yeah. Yeah. And, and like you said, I think the excitement comes for us, for our standpoint is to see who steps up because you know, somebody's going to, or more than likely multiple somebody's because Loyola just doesn't like have empty, you know, spots. It's not like they have a wide receiver room. That's, that's not talented. So uh, they'll put it together and I'm excited to see what that looks like. It just might, it might take some time. Maybe it doesn't, but I, you know, it certainly could. Joe, based on what you've, you know, seen from Nutria and camp, and I always like to emphasize, obviously you're not going to be, you're not going to see everything and you're not going to know anything from everything from, you know, competing and looking at summer camp seven on sevens, whether or now they're doing 11 on 11s with other programs. Um, but for this Nutria team, I mean, we talked about it a little bit earlier, um, in previous podcasts, you got Hersey, you got Yorkville, you got Prospect, you got Barrington. Um, then you start off with Maine South, Evanston, Glenbrook North, Glenbrook South, and then finish the year with Deerfield. Um, I don't see a break in that schedule either. I mean, you just see uh, consistently elite teams in the state. Um, and I, I just think it's really interesting to see how this new Trier team gels together right from the start, kind of like the way Loyola is going to have to. Yeah. Yeah, I, I, and we talked about it, I think two weeks ago a little bit where I think there's there's a possibility and certainly there's there's tons we don't know but just looking at the schedule there's a possibility Nutrier starts out one and four and then runs the table and, and and I should say and still has a chance to make the postseason because their five toughest games on paper are their first five games um, and that's why I think if they come out of there two and three there's nothing to sweat about at least nothing to nothing to worry about. Um, sure. There's concerns because you still got to get those three wins to make the playoffs, but you don't have to be freaking out if, if you're two and three. Um, that's why I think that'd be great. Uh, one and four, obviously there's, there's no more room for error, but it's still possible. And, and I think they have the talent to do it. I mean, they could lose, you know, they could go one and four and lose all four of those games by a combined, you know, I don't know, 20 points. And, and still, you know, they're still a very good team. It's just that tough of a schedule. So I think they have the personnel to pull off a really, really nice season, but their schedule just leaves no really wiggle room um, in a lot of those games. And, right. You know, they, they, uh, where do you every, see them in the South? Sorry, go ahead. I was just going to say every coach is pumped about their team at, at, at certain points in the summer. But, uh, you know, talking to Brian Dole um, about some of the other guys, I know – you know, from from covering them last year, you know, I know what Patrick Hennigan, the quarterback, brings. I know what Miles Kremaskoli is. Um, I know what a couple of their other guys who are returning. But they got some other question marks, especially on the line. What are they going to do? What leaps are they going to make? Can they be go from, a, hey, that's that could be a nice player, to that's an all-conference level guy? Those are the leaps that are going to make the difference and maybe pull out victories against certain teams here or there. I mean, they took Maine South to overtime in their final game last year, like, uh, do a couple leaps make the difference this year? Maybe. Um, so you're looking for that from a couple returning starters, like your your John McGurks, who's playing both ways on the line, a big guy. Um, Frank, um, Big Frank, I can never pronounce the last name. I think it's Yokohana, who's playing, who's an offensive lineman who's returning. Those are two tackles. If they take leaps, you know, we talk about it all the time. We try to give offensive linemen all the love because they never get it in the stat book. But um, you got anchors like that protecting a pretty good offense. Maybe 
this team's even better than we think it could be. So I'm intrigued to see what those leaps are. Um, and uh, you get a couple of key ones and, and you could flip that one and four start to three and two. Where do you see this team in the CSL South? Um, you got, obviously you got Maine South who's on probation this year, Glenbrook South, Glenbrook North, Evanston, um, and now Deerfield switches places with Niles West. So um, Glenbrook North stayed in the South and Deerfield and Niles West switched it up. Um, where does this team compare with the other teams in this division? And um, do you feel like they have the potential to compete for a division title? I do potential, but I still kind of put them as the underdogs with Glenbrook South. Um, I put them right there with Glenbrook South, though. You know what they've at South lost some guys, of course, but what they've been able to do the past few years, their kind of resurgent years, uh, has been really impressive. And they put together a program now that's uh, uh, that that you have to fear and you have to plan for and you have to be ready for what they can do on both sides of the ball. Pretty impressive stuff. So Nutria was right there with them last year um, in terms of head to head, not in, and not in terms of record, but but I would give it to Maine South with the edge, and then Glenbrook South and Nutria right there, kind of jockeying for that second. I don't know enough about Maine South yet to be honest to say they're the runaway favorites. Once again, it's, I mean, it's their division. It has been for so long you can't really argue. Um, but uh, I really think Nutria is good enough to give them a run. Yeah, it'll be really interesting to see what happens, and obviously. It's, uh, it's obviously July conversation right now, just trying to figure out where these teams are able to uh, step up and where they're able to kind of compete. But I'll, I'll do the same with uh, with Highland Park, Joe. Obviously, we talked about the schedule um, a few uh, weeks ago, like we did with, with Loyola and Nutrier. But um, where does this team rank in the CSL North? We had a lot of conversation last year um, about this was Highland Park's to take. You know, they – had to win conference games. And if they did that, then they were going to win that division and they were going to make the playoffs. And that's exactly what they didn't do. They didn't win those key division games. So, I mean, just, you know, they lose talent from last year, but I mean, just, you know, you got Maine West, um, you got Niles North, Niles West. Now you got Vernon Hills. Um, it, it, it sort of kind of feels like uh, um, a division that Highland Park should be competing for uh, when things get started here in the fall. It should, but I, I I don't think that until they prove it, you can kind of give them that benefit of doubt yet. We thought that last year, um, well, we probably gave it to Deerfield, but right, we thought Highland Park could be right in that two three category. But yeah, I think that's where we were. Yeah, but I, you know, once we saw some results from Maine West and Vernon Hills, I think we we were like, okay, we we maybe overestimated a little bit. Um, and those kids, mostly on high, a lot of the stars from Highland Park last year were second-year starters. Now they're third-year starters. So we should expect a little bit more out of them. And while I'm, I'll cautiously say they're a middle-of-the-pack team in that division, uh, they should definitely have a goal of winning that division um, with the Deerfield switch out. And can they – Miles West, I, I think that's more of a wild card. You know, it jades me a little bit to, to, to know what they are. We see them play – Glenbrook South and Nutrier so often and lose by 30 points. Uh, it's just a different ballgame. Um, so I'm, I'm interested to see how they play in the CSL North. Um, it'll certainly be, um, you know, more on their level, um, smaller schools and whatnot. So, um, but I think until they prove otherwise, I think I'm just going to say they're a middle of the pack team that can climb, but they've got to start better and they've got to have a defense that can hold teams down early. Um, they kind of showed that they can turn the ball over, but 
um, in between. They weren't stopping teams. They got to be able to do that, or they're not going to get to that five wins. They got to flip a couple of those games, Mike. They got to flip a Vernon Hills or a Maine West to be in there. Yeah, it'll, it'll be really interesting. We're obviously another week closer to August 25th, which is when the season starts for all three teams. Well, I guess 26th for Loyola, since they'll be traveling to Michigan. But um, we're getting closer and closer each week, and obviously each week we'll give you more and more insight um, as we get closer to the regular season and training camp getting started. All right, in the third period, we're going to move on over now, and uh, we're going to hit on figured – um, obviously there's been a lot going on, uh, with Northwestern athletics over the last week, um, over the last weekend, I guess. Um, and we figured since, you know, obviously Northwestern, um, is in a North shore community, we would, you know, touch on it a little bit and talk about, you know, obviously we got some, um, alumni who are competing there. Um, but, um, for those who don't know what's been going on with the Northwestern program, obviously cap, uh, football coach. Pat Fitzgerald has been fired on Monday. He was originally suspended for two weeks on Friday um, because after a university investigation um, into some hazing incidences, um, he was suspended for two weeks uh, in July. Um, then on that following Saturday, the Daily Northwestern published a story from a former player, which talked about, you know, described the hazing, which involved um, coerced sexual actions and, um, some other alleged things. And then um, I know that kind of elevated throughout the weekend. And then um, on Monday, the Daily Northwestern released another story from a former player talking about the um, racial kind of culture um, that was kind of taking place um, at Northwestern. Um, so all of that took place and then Pat Fitzgerald got fired on Monday. Um, obviously, there's stuff relating to the baseball program as well, which got released over the last couple of days. Um, where the baseball program obviously had some allegations um, of mistreatment and um, inappropriate actions and that sort of stuff. So, Joe, obviously, um, not kind of what we expected to happen. I feel like Northwestern tried to, you know, do a classic news dump on Friday, you know, a summer Friday, just news dump it and be like, you know, don't look past it. But um, obviously there were some questions around it. And once you saw um, some really good student journalism um, over the weekend from the Daily Northwestern and um, as the story just continued to evolve, it just got made more and more sense that it seemed like, you know, Pat Fitzgerald was going to get fired. And um, there were a lot of questions as to what was happening within not only that program, but also the baseball program as well. Yeah, I guess we could start there and just kind of that inappropriate release of information or news dump, as you put it, which in it, while it's an industry jargon, um, I kind of think everybody kind of understands that that's when an organization thinks they can kind of slide in a, a relatively big or subdued news piece in a busy time, whether it's before a weekend or before a holiday weekend or things like that. That's kind of what's called the news dump. And, um, and I, I think what a lot, obviously reading the allegations and the, the incredible reporting first done by the student journalists, um, you know, student journalists shouldn't even be said journalists these are reporters they did their job at, at a professional level um and it was uh it was absolutely outstanding um coverage um sourcing um you know detailing the issues as well as holding the powerful accountable and getting you know i thought that was unbelievable um so kudos to the daily staff um for that but it, you know obviously everything was upsetting but if I were to pick one piece out of it from from what you just said, the news dump, it's just the arrogance of some 
of some big powerful programs or some, you know, institutions to think that they can slide things under the rug, you know, that we found out later, you know, drip, 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 as we know, in investigation, that the report that was the basis for the initial two week suspension had 11 players corroborating the stories. It wasn't one whistleblower. It was 11 at least. And then more came out in the days after that to corroborate even further. And that warranted a two week suspension. No. And, and luckily people kind of ears perked up besides the journalists and said, wait, 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 wait. And then obviously we started to backtrack from the institution, but to think that you're Northwestern university and you have the premier journalism institution and program in the country and you could sweep something under the rug. What else do they sweep it? That's, that's something I think of as a journalist, like that's some, some high level arrogance um, in my opinion. So that was very upsetting, obviously the allegations and uh, I, I gave kudos to the reporters, but first and foremost to the whistleblowers um, uh, being courageous enough to step forward in what's going to be scrutiny. And maybe more than that, maybe even, putting yourself on the line there um, in a lot of respects um, takes a lot of bravery. It's, it's among the most brave things you can do um, is, is take on a whole entire institution without knowing exactly who's got your back. Um, so kudos to them for, for, for doing that and then speaking up. Um, and uh, yeah, we have some local ties here um, to our communities that we cover. Um, we have a new Trier player that's on that roster right now. I don't know where he's at. Uh, you can look it up. I'm not implicating him in anything or talking about anything about him, but Duke Olgus is on the roster. He's a new trainer grad. We have some loyal ones. One is Pat Fitzgerald's son, Jack. Um, so I um, haven't heard anything from him about what he's doing next. Um, so I'm not implicating them in anything, but the allegations that are against the program and the players um, and thus the coaches through time are abhorrent. They're, they're despicable. They're disgusting. And uh, that is not, that is not tradition. That is not culture. That is not being a man. That is being a abuser. You know, doing things like their naked car wash, doing things like uh, the the naked um, quarterback hike thing. Uh, that's abuse, and it's real abuse. There's no joke about it. There's nothing that that there's nothing that gains camaraderie from it. And any camaraderie that comes from it is false, and it's based on a perverted act and something that excludes people an exclusionary act and uh, treats people poorly so um, you know we talk about that a lot when hazing comes up that organizations even some fans and stuff push it aside and say that's just what these programs do this is how they blow off steam or game that's there's other ways to do it you can win ball games without abusing your teammates without as we saw in the nutrier lacrosse hazing without punching them without kicking them so they're part of the program it's absurd it's moronic it's abusive it's violent and at times illegal um it's a crime and you shouldn't do it you can't do it and it doesn't do anything to help you win it, it really doesn't um and if it does then you're a bad program from the get-go and you're built on rot um and this has nothing to do with it because even if Northwestern won four national titles in a row, it would be equally bad. But Northwestern wasn't even winning football games. So what are we talking about here? Um, helping the yeah. game. And but I anyway, I'm sorry. I, you know, once I get going on it, I'm sure you're the same way. I took a lot of uh, airtime right there. But it's uh, 
it was upsetting to a lot of people and it affects a lot of people at, at the local level from, uh, you know, the whole community that is Northwestern, which is a big, uh, tight community. Well, and I'm glad you brought the Nutrier uh, thing, because that's one of the things that kind of came into my mind. Obviously, you've had the Lake Zurich football hazing scandal uh, in recent years. Um, a lot of stuff has been going on. And um, I feel like one of the big things um, I've seen over the Internet has just been like, you know, like you can't people being like, oh, well, like you can't do anything anymore. Like everything's wrong. And it's just like I, I, I feel like people are misconstruing exactly what. You know, there's nothing wrong if you like as a fre if seniors like want freshmen to like, you know, sing their you see this like in college or in the NFL, like sing your fight song in front of everybody or whatever. Or, like you just have like, you know, freshmen like hold like uh, carry people's helmets or like shoulder pads after practice like that just like builds that builds something as opposed to, you know, like basically like sexual assault primarily is what happened allegedly through all this type of stuff. Exactly. And I, I don't, I don't know, like that doesn't build, that doesn't help your team become better because you do that type of stuff. Um, and uh, I, yeah, I just wanted to echo what you said, obviously a uh, um, good reporting from uh, those uh, journalists and obviously it picked it up and that kind of stuff, but um, definitely a surprising thing given, you know, how much people have talked about, um, obviously, Pat Fitzgerald is a big figure in the North Shore community. Um, obviously, he's been around the Northwestern community for a very long time. And a lot of North Shore, um, you know, residents are big Northwestern fans because obviously Ryan, uh, you know, the campus is right there. So, I mean, um, just a lot of surprise, a lot of disappointment, I feel like, from a lot of fans and from a lot of, you know, people um, from a program that I think a lot of people, you know, wanted to root for who were like, oh, like they're scrappy. They can, you know, they've made it to the Big Ten championship game and are playing Ohio State. Like, I feel like a lot of people are like looking for reasons to like Northwestern and um, for it to all kind of come crashing down the way this kind of happened. Um, it's obviously disappointing and it's um, upsetting on many different fronts as to thinking that an institution could just, you know, fly by this, thinking that a coaching staff and the coach could allegedly, you know, not know what was going on. And um, there are just a lot of facets to this that are just, you know, disappointing and obviously something that needs to be addressed because, you know, hopefully this comes up and it doesn't continue to be a thing maybe somewhere else. And maybe, you know, people aren't, you know, assaulted in other programs and that kind of stuff because they see that this type of stuff is wrong. So, if there's any good from this, hopefully it is that, you know, it stops at Northwestern and maybe it stops um, at other programs if it is taking place at other programs. Yeah. And I think you touched on something that's uh, also really ticking people off is that people, the, the general people, you know, when they see a, a school like Northwestern going through this and coach fits, well, Northwestern has positioned itself strategically as we're Northwestern. We do things the right way. And I know other programs do that too, but Northwestern specifically has made that a point of who they are, part of their identity and their fabric for years. We're Northwestern. We do things the right way, a little differently. And maybe sometimes that's why we fail because we really stress academics and culture and, um, you know, uh, just everything like that. And then to see that, no, they don't. Those are words. They don't practice them. Um, and you know, they don't protect their players, just like maybe other schools that maybe we expect us to come out for more than Northwestern It's the same thing. They're all the same, um, on the same level in terms of that. And so that, that I think ticks people off because maybe they got a little, um, burned by, 
buying into what Northwestern was selling um, from players to parents to to fans. And that's, that's hard to, hard to swallow. Um, and I do hope some good comes out of it. Um, as bad as it sounds, um, I hope other people come forward at other programs because just being a realist that it ha- it's happening elsewhere, whether it's yeah. identical things or similar things, it'd be naive, I think, to say that Northwestern's the only one that does something like a naked car wash, whatever, and make freshmen do, you know, do things like that. It's happening elsewhere and it's time to put an end to it. It's time to put an end to the the blind loyalty that coaches and upperclassmen try to drill into you that hey, you're a wildcat now, you will never go against us. Well, that gives them, right, a bigger window to do something wrong and then just berate you if you don't go along with it. It's time to end that. Um, there's other ways to do it. You can do, you can be loyal to a program by giving it your all, um, not literally being abused at, at the cost of it. It's not worth it, um, the price to, to be a part of a program like that. So let's hope it does um, at least stop it somewhere and make an impact, positive impact. Yeah, I feel like the biggest reasoning I've always heard is like, well, we went through it, so you need to go through it as well. And that just doesn't make any sense to me at all, whether even in society, just like, you know, whether it's, you know, obviously the progress we've been making and that kind of stuff throughout, you know, the last whatever, 50 or 100 years, I think you are, I, I think that's the lamest excuse of being like, well, I went through this as a freshman, so now you have to go through this as a freshman. That doesn't make any sense. Like, it was wrong then and it's wrong now. Like it doesn't really change how wrong it is. Even if it's 2023, I know people will probably be like, Oh, PC, like you can't do anything fun anymore. It's like, no, that it was never cool. It was never good in the first place. People are just more open-minded are now finally understanding that, you know, what was in the past is that doesn't mean that was necessarily right or of a time or anything like that. And um, that excuse doesn't really fly anymore. So I think hopefully that's a, um that's a good lesson to kind of come out of this as well yeah i think so and as much respect you know we we started with the conversation so maybe we end on it is that this story would not have come out without journalists and this story would not have been amplified without journalists and continued uh, without dedicated journalists journalists um, both that are students at the school and then kind of just continued i think in a very effective and thorough way, whether they missed it at first or not. I think a lot of organizations have backed it up with thorough reporting in the fallout. Um, I think that's important to know about local news, man. And, and, you know, school journalism, like college newspaper journalism, that is local news. So when we talk about local news, we're talking about that. We're talking about um, local trip reporting, city reporting, as well as Evanston specific reporting. Um, it's been it's been pretty good and i think it's important to know that it doesn't come out without that and as much respect as i have for law enforcement and things uh it's not like you know going to going to police officers is a little different than going you know speaking to journalists um in terms of publicity and things so um kudos to journalists keep it up um support your local news if we're coming (laughs) around to that and I know the fallout, obviously, everyone's going to want to talk about the fallout. Now, I know I, I talked to Joliet Catholic, Dylan Johnson. He was originally committed to Northwestern. Um, he flipped yesterday. He's committed to Wisconsin. Now I talked to him and he talked about how um, he was very disappointed in all of that. He was disappointed in um, it seemed like from his standpoint, it seemed like Northwestern was just chaotic. He literally said it, it was chaos right now. He didn't want to be part of that. He needed to make a decision for himself in his future. So he obviously decommitted. Um, and uh, committed to um, Wisconsin instead. And the fall, it's going to be really interesting. I know um, 
where does the program go for here? Is there no coaching staff? Is there going to be a lot of transfers in the transfer portal now? I don't know if you can really do that a, a month before uh, the regular season starts because a lot of rosters are full across the nation, but I'm sure coaches could find a way if a kid entered the transfer portal. Um, but I think one of the bigger questions also is, um, I know obviously um, is comparing apple to oranges, but I know obviously for a lot of Wilmette residents, is Ryan Field going to get the same money now that it was going to get before? And is that renovation going to happen? And I know, Joe, that was a big uh, conversation point at a meeting earlier this week. Um, and a lot of conversations have been like, well, we need to stall this right now. Like we need to, we need to put this on pause because we need to figure out before we even talk about putting money into a football stadium, we need to make sure that the football program is actually being run correctly. So um, there's a lot of fallout and a lot of things that are, might could affect, you know, North Shore area residencies um, in the future that uh, could play a big role here in the next coming months. And then obviously the next coming year. Absolutely. I think it will. I think it'll be in the headlines for a while, at least tangentially. And uh, you can certainly, you know, the, the direct impact of course will be reported on, now it's got the eyes of national media, but um, yeah, those those topics will certainly be explored and and and, and um, reported. All right. Well, I think with that on that note, we're going to end uh, this week's episode of the podcast. Thank you as always for listening. We always appreciate your support. Uh, just a quick reminder that you can subscribe to the podcast anywhere that anywhere that they're available. Make sure you look us up, look us up the record North Shore, um, and we'll be there with the varsity. Make sure you check out older episodes as well. Uh, we've got great interviews and analysis, so make sure you subscribe so you get it every single time uh, that we record and publish. Um, like I mentioned, we've got some great content at the rec uh, at the Friday Night Drive. Uh, we got our, uh, obviously, like I mentioned, I talked to Dylan Johnson about decommitting from Northwestern. Um, we had the schedule release, a lot of great analysis um, over the next uh, year and that kind of stuff for the football schedule I broke down. Um, the top nine uh, CCL ESCC football games. So make sure you're checking us out there. And also for all the other stuff that we put together throughout the uh, summer, we got football camp coverage uh, every single day. Stories are being posted. So make sure you check out our stuff at the Friday Night Drive. And as always, check out the recordnorthshore.org. Joe's got you covered not only for sports, but also everything going on in the North Shore area. So make sure you subscribe and donate as well. We always appreciate everybody's support. So for Joe and I, thanks so much for joining us this week, and we will talk to you guys down the road. See ya. Thank you for listening to the Varsity uh, product of the record, northshore.org, your nonprofit local newsroom.